Thank you for tuning in to today's audio message. Here at Temple Baptist Church, we are a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you this morning. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing part of your weekend with us here uh, at Temple. And uh, I want to reiterate what Pastor uh, Kevin said. If you are new among us, we send you a very warm welcome. So glad uh, that you would be here uh, on our second service. And of course, we want to give a shout out for those who are watching us online. From wherever you may be watching, we are glad to have you aboard. I can hardly believe it's December. Like, can you believe that? I feel like we should still be in the middle of summer. That's what I feel like. But you know, 2019 will be upon us in just a matter of weeks, and it's just hard to believe another year has gone by that quick. I want to say thank you to Pastor Dave, Pastor James for filling in while I was away. And then last week, I'm still living on a high from last week with the youth service. I'm so thankful for the teens that uh, took over, and, and I'm so grateful that there's a new generation coming behind us that is preparing uh, to lead this church uh, into the future. Are you glad about that? Yes. Well, today we're going to start a brand new series. We're calling it Hope. Hope for you. If there was ever a day and age where we need hope, it's December of 2018. Everyone needs hope. You can last a few weeks without food. You can um, last a few days without water. You can um, have no air for a couple of minutes and survive, but you have no hope, and you die. And one of the things I've noticed is that people who are full of hope, they, they tend to be pretty happy people. Uh, if you were full of hope all your life and you never got what you hoped for, your life would be better than if you hoped for nothing. And there is a vibrancy in our life when there is hope. Now, the Bible says that we have an enemy. Uh, we refer to him as the devil. And the Bible says that the devil likes to come like a thief in the night to rob and to steal. I don't believe he's so interested in stealing our stuff. But he'd love to rob you of your joy. Because where there is joy, there is hope. You know, Job, in chapter 8, verse 13, a man who lost everything, he's had the highs, he's had the lows, he made this comment, Job 8, 13, he says, the most hopeful people in all the earth are those who live close to God. And those who forget God have no hope. See, our hope cannot be who we put in at 24 Sussex Drive in Ottawa. Our hope has got to be put in the one who we put on the cross. Our hope just can't be in our money and our finances and our status and our reputation because all that can be gone like that. And one of the things I'm discovering is that hope is not so much psychological, it is theological. You see, some people have come to the conclusion in this world that there is no hope. Life is hopeless. Some have concluded that. And in fact, that's probably why we read so many stories of people who die by suicide. They, they've lost hope. Hope for a better day. Now, some people believe, yeah, there's hope for others, but hope for me? Well, that's, that's a different story. 
Yeah, 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 I know Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. He rose again. He's living in heaven. He's going to come back. And that's great for everybody else, but I don't think that's for me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13, it says, But now abides faith, hope, and love. I think we know a lot. We talk a lot about faith and love. But I think we have maybe a little bit more of a limited understanding of what hope is. And what I'm discovering is that shame says there is no hope. Because of past decisions of what I have done. Some have come to the conclusion, I don't know if there really is hope for me. I cannot list all the people in my lifetime who I have talked to who said, there's no hope for me, though. Donald, you don't understand. I have a real past. Uh, Donald, see, I, I have regrets. See, I, I've done things, Donald, that I should never have done. And the things that I should have done, I, I, I didn't do those things. And I understand, some of you here today, you're, you're dealing with some of your lifetime regrets. So can there be hope, really, for me? Well, let me say it very clearly, as clearly as I can say. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. The whole reason that Jesus came during this season, the reason we celebrate the birth of a Savior, because he came to offer us hope, hope for you. Hope that your life could really be different. And real hope is based on God's word, not on my wishes. See, it's not based on what I sense, but what God has said. It's not based on my emotions. It is based on what, how God has spoken. It's not based on my imagination, but on God's obligation. See, hope can't be based on my feelings. It's based on God's word. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to count all the promises that are in God's Word, but scholars have concluded there's nearly 7,000 promises given in God's Word for God's people. And then one of the things that I've learned, and I think most of us who know this to be true, there are certain things that God can't do, and one of the things He cannot do is lie. He's made a promise, and He will be faithful to fulfill those promises. And yet, I know in this day and age, people will say, well, I read the Bible, and I see all kinds of promises that haven't come true. So how can you say that? Well, let me tell you, God is not limited by time. God has time on his side. We have 70, 80, you know, some of us are blessed enough to be, you know, 90 years of age, but it's such a small scope of time. And God has all the time in the world to fulfill his promises. And, you know, and there's different kinds of hope. And so my question would be, is what kind of hope do you have? There's wishful hope. You know, I'm just hoping that that light stays green as I'm going down the street. I'm just hoping that my boss will be late because I'm going to be late for the meeting, even though your boss has never been late in 20 years. And so you begin to hope that an ice storm will come, even though it's July, to slow down your boss. That's wishful hope. You know, I just hope I win that $50 million lottery. That's wishful hope. And stats tell us you have a better chance of being invited by NASA to ride a rocket ship to the moon than to win that lottery. That's wishful hope. But then there's this expectant hope. This is a little bit stronger. There's a basis of reality to have this kind of hope. For instance, we have a lot of farmers here. You, you plant seeds in the spring and you have this hope that you'll have this bountiful harvest come Um... Moms, you know, ladies who have a, 
We're pregnant. We, we, we call them expectant moms because there's a baby growing inside of them. But sadly, not every expectant hope comes true. Many of you know that reality. I mean, some of you farmers, you, you plant it in the spring, but then a harvest, I mean, then a, then a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Then a drought comes, and all of a sudden, there's no crops in the fall. Yeah, some of you know the harsh reality of expecting a child and, and having a miscarriage and the pain and the hurt that brings. It wasn't a sure thing. It wasn't a guaranteed thing. But there was a reason to be hopeful. And we call that expectant hope. But let me tell you, you cannot build your life on wishful hoping and expectant hope. But you can build your life on another kind of hope. The Bible talks about another kind of hope. The kind of hope that you can build your life on. It's called certain hope. That is what the Bible talks about when it says that a Christian is a person of hope. It's not wishful thinking. It's not expect, expectant thinking, but it's certain hope. Knowing for sure that what God has said he will actually do. That's certain hope. In fact, in Hebrews 11, chapter, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Like you, were, you haven't seen it yet, but you're absolutely convinced it's going to happen because God is true to his word. So Paul is telling us in Hebrews 11. Then there's Hebrews 6.19. The certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for the soul. That's certain hope. So the question is, why is it that there, there are many Christians... They don't live like they have hope. Ever think about that? Why is there Christians who live as though they have no hope? I've been giving some thought about that lately. Let me ask you a question. Believing in Jesus will change your life, true or false? Not a trick question. What? True, right? I believe in Jesus will change your life. We, we know that. Some of you really know that to be true. Some of you know that very recently. Like you, 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 were, you had no hope and you came and you started believing in Jesus and all these things changed. But true or false? Believing in Jesus will not change your life. See, I think that's also true. Because uh, some of us here... We look at our life and there really hasn't been any change. Practically speaking, there has been no change in our life. See, I really believe that Jesus is calling us more than just believing. He, he wants to be in relationship with us. And I, begin, I, I really believe that we begin to lack a hope when our relationship with God and with Jesus is not vibrant, when it's not life-changing. And there's a great example in the Bible, which we're going to look at, of a man who believed God, but no life change. But, but he believed the, the stuff, but no change in his life. Successful, young, um, got everything going for him. Many of us know the story. We've read his story. It's found in two Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, and also the story is found in Mark 10. Some of us know the story as the rich young ruler. He's rich, and he's young, and he's got power. Is everything that you and I desire to have in life. He's got youth. 
power. He's got influence. He's got possession. He's got money to boot. He's got celebrity status. He is living the American dream, or in our context, the Canadian dream. The dream that everyone has in every generation. And yet what I find interesting, here's a young man who has everything, but he goes looking for something. Something's still missing. There's a void. It seems as though maybe it's a shaped like Jesus void. So take your Bibles if you have them this morning, I hope you do, and turn to Matthew, or Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at that uh, story this morning, not the Matthew passage, but Mark chapter 10, and we're going to pick up the story in verse 17. Matthew chapter 10, verse 17. And if the Bible is fairly new to you, Matthew, uh, Mark is like one of the Gospels, kind of the first part of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, could you give me some tips? Give me some inside information. Give me the scoop. What is it that I need to do? I feel like he still wants to be in control. Because he says, what is it that I have to do? It's like he puts the, the whole weight on his shoulders to gain eternal life. And by the way, I think that's exactly what religion does. Because religion says, if you just work a little harder, you can make your way to God. Dig a little bit deeper, and you can make it to God. Then you can have eternal life. Now, I would expect Jesus maybe to say, with that question, what must I do in inherit eternal life? Why wouldn't he just say, well, throw up a quick prayer, and you're good to go? Oh, that's what we say. <laughs> that's not what Jesus said. You know, maybe when we read the story, we're expecting Jesus to say, well, believe in me, and everything will be okay. That's kind of, I think, what I'm expecting Jesus to say. Let's look at it and see what he does say. Verse 18. Jesus, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not fall, um, give false testimony, do not fraud on your father and your mother. And he goes, teacher, whoa, 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 teacher. I've done all that stuff. I feel like when Jesus is making this list, he just blurts out. Oh, yeah, 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 I've done all that stuff. I've, I've done that stuff. I've been doing that stuff since I've been a little boy. I've kept it all. And by the way, you know, in this day and age, we think of the commandments, we often think, you know, the Ten Commandments. But actually, in this day and age, there's like 614 commandments that are now have collected together. And he said, I've kept them all since I've been a, a little boy. And Jesus is going to get ready to drop the hammer on him. It says here, in 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He's getting ready to say something that's going to be hard to swallow, actually. You know, have you ever had a family member, a friend who really loves you, but has to speak some harsh words to you? 
And there's Jesus. It says he looked at him and he loved him. He's going to be honest with him. Jesus says in verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing that you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. Can we just be real for a second? Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't ask us to sell everything? I mean, all of everything you worked for all your life. Can you imagine if Jesus said that to us? Go sell everything, give it away, then come follow me. Whew. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he never said that for us. But he does say it for this man. I mean, why would Jesus say that to him? Because Jesus knows what's first in his life. He knows exactly what keeps this man in bondage. He knows that this man loves his stuff. He loves it. And this is the one thing that he's put above Jesus. Jesus, give it all away and come follow me. And then it says in verse 22, at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. He had great possessions. In reality, it seems like his possessions had him. Now, earlier, Jesus was speaking, and he says, where your heart is, there will be your treasure. See, when you're reading through the New Testament, it seems as though Jesus isn't just calling people to believe in him. He's calling people to follow him. Yeah, this guy, we look at this guy, he's got everything going for him. He's got the world by the tail. He's got everything you and I would want. He's talented. He's successful. He's an influencer. We would say he's made it to the top rung of the ladder. And Jesus says... What you give your heart to, you need to give to me. Following Jesus is really different than just believing in Jesus. In fact, James chapter 2, we looked at this last month. Remember when James was, was speaking and said, Oh, it's great that you believe in God, but the demons also believe that and they tremble. See, believing is good, but following is better. Believing is good, but following is better. Believing is relatively easy, but following is a little harder. To be able to pursue a life that is greater than your own, to reject conformity to what everyone else is doing, but to follow Jesus. See, Jesus... He wants your heart. Like he wants your heart. And if you follow him, he will get your heart. See, sometimes, somewhere along the line, we have convinced ourselves that what God really wants is our behavior, that we will keep the rules. You know, we'll do lots and lots of church activities, but pursuing Jesus is very different than just doing things. It's very different. See, God is not in a battle with you over your behavior. He's in a battle with you over your heart. 
There was a group of people in Jesus' day, and they did it all. I mean, every time the church doors were open, guarantee those guys were going to walk through the door in their families. They knew all the verses. They prayed all the prayers. They knew all the songs. They knew the church lingo. They were extremely religious, but they had no relationship with God. We call them the Pharisees. And they crucified Jesus. They wanted Jesus dead, even though outwardly, if you look outwardly, they probably were more like Jesus in their behavior. Probably believed most of the stuff that Jesus believed. And yet they had no relationship. In the world that we live in today, there's a lot of people who believe, but they have no relationship. As we enter this Christmas season, the vast majority of people will say, yeah, I believe that there is a person named Jesus who came and born in a manger. I believe that. And yet they have no relationship. I think that churches are, there's many people in churches who grew up in a church, you know, was right there from the nursery and children's ministry and youth ministry and college and career, and they've memorized Bible verses and they met the giving challenge, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Can I share some sobering words with you from Jesus, by the way? It's in Matthew. You don't need to turn there, but I'll just read them to you. It's Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Every time I read that verse, every time I read that verse, I do some, a little bit of self-examination. See, Jesus is really emphasizing here, it's not about just doing, 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 doing. There's a lot of people that are doing, 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 trying to make their way. Digging, 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 because I'm going to make my way to God. And then, Jesus says, there's coming to the day that not everyone who's called my name went to the kingdom of heaven. What it says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Like, Lord, we were very, very busy with activity. <laughs> like, didn't you see me? I was at every meeting at the church. I, I didn't miss a youth group meeting. <laughs> I served. And Jesus says, then I'll tell them very plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me. That knew, I never knew you. I was never in relationship with you. We didn't know each other. You know, we see couples all the time that outwardly Looks like everything's going well. Yeah, maybe you see him at church. Maybe you see him at some family functions. And then out of nowhere, an announcement is made that they're getting a divorce. But everything outwardly looks so good, though. And they, like, you're, like, you're shocked by it all. It, it, it looked good. It looked like you were in a good relationship. But we come to discover there was no relationship. 
And that happens with a lot of people, by the way. They look like they have everything together on the outside, but something inside is missing. I think of people who outwardly, we would have to say, I thought they had it all. What about Robin Williams? One of the funniest men around. Made people laugh. People loved him. Entered his life. No hope. What about somebody like Kate Spade? Right? I mean, I mean, she's a big designer. She has an empire. You would think that she has everything to live for, and yet, was it last year, year and a half ago, she took her life. Really? But outwardly, you would want to have everything she has. It looks so good. You know, one of my, uh, when I was growing up as a kid, I, I really liked this country singing, Mindy McCready. And then one day I heard on the radio that she took her life. And I was like, what? But she was just at the beginning of stardom. But somewhere along the line, lost hope. You know, think of famous people like Marilyn Monroe. People flocked over her, took her life. What about Ernest Hemingway, one of the great writers, literature writers, took his life. No hope. Vincent van Gogh, you think, my goodness, an acclaimed painter. People bid millions of dollars for his work and took his own life. See, outwardly they looked like they had it all, but something was missing inside. And the thing is, this happens with Christian people too. Christian people. It looks as though they have it all going for them because they got the lingo down. They got the behavior down. They got the prayers memorized. They met the giving challenge. They got it all down. But there's no relationship. See, we really believe this, and we have said this so many times around here, that we believe the most important relationship that any man, woman, boy, or girl can have is a relationship with Jesus. And that's why our mission statement is connecting people to Jesus. Connecting people to Jesus. So they can know God. They can grow in God. Discover who they are in God. And then go and share that with other people. See, it's not about how many people we can get into this room. It's how many people we can connect with Jesus. That's what we're all about. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, like if you really love me, you do what I've asked you to do. You see, Jesus came to live among us. He suffered among us. He died among us. He was crucified on a cross for us. And we're afraid to give our little kingdom to him. We got this little kingdom. And we're afraid to give it to him. There's a rich young ruler. He had a little kingdom. He's afraid to give it to Jesus. He's rich. He's youthful. He's a ruler. And he wouldn't trade it in for something that was much more fulfilling. Completely afraid to give it to God. Listen, you give your heart to God and your behavior will change. But if you focus on your behavior, you might get good at it, 
but you'll always look down to those who don't, can't meet your standard. Listen, God does not want your behavior. He wants your heart. And how does that happen? I don't think it happens actually overnight. I do think it's part of a process. I know I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. And I thank the Lord that, that I am not the same person. I'm not even the same person I was two years ago. I'm thankful that God is, that Christ is changing me. Like he's changing me. And let me tell you, he's given us his spirit, his word, his church, so they know him. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Right? I mean, his word is there for us to get to know him, you know, to pursue him. And I know some of you will say, but I don't understand the word. There's lots of times I read this, I don't understand it either, but I keep reading. I keep at it because I want to know him. I want to pursue him. And then he's given us his church. And I don't mean like a Sunday morning gathering like this. I mean when we do life together, when we're in community and relationship. That's why I'm such a big believer of small groups. Get in a group where you can do life together with people. And I know some of you would say, well, I've tried it. It didn't work for me. Try another one. Try and try until you find a group where you can connect and grow with one another. Because relationships make a difference. If I was to ask you, what are the top 10 sermons that changed your life? I bet you couldn't even come up with one or two. But I've asked you, list the 10 people that have the most impact on your life. You could come up with them. Relationship makes a difference. That's why it's part of our mission statement, connecting people to Jesus and connecting to one another. Doing life together. And let me say, when you make the decision to no longer be a fan of Jesus, but you're going to be a follower of Jesus, let me just say, you're going to mess up. It's going to happen. And that's okay because, because Jesus is after your heart, not your behavior. But when you mess up, if you're anything like me, you know what happens? We feel like we've got to clean our act up again before we come back before I can show my face again. You know, because we, we, we get ashamed of something that we've done, and, and I've got to get this new streak going again before I can come back. See, it's not about our behavior. It is about what he has done for us. And you will begin to notice changes in your life when you give him your heart. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. My prayer is that as a church, that the gospel would become so real to us that it would make a difference in us that we completely understand is not about what we've done, but it's about what Christ has done. In just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate communion together. There's an opportunity to just go breathe in and go breathe. I'm so glad it's not on me. 
I'm glad the weight of my eternal life doesn't rest on my shoulders to dig deeper and to work harder. No, because it's done. It's been done for you. One of my worries, fears, that we would have people that would come here maybe a week after we may be coming here years. And you are so busy doing things. But you've never really experienced the life-changing change that, that takes place when you are in relationship with Jesus, when you become a follower of Jesus. When it goes beyond just believing, but you are following him. And so this morning, I want you to do some soul-searching, as per se. Am I in a relationship with Jesus? Am I in a vibrant, life-changing relationship? Or have I just been busy doing things and don't know him? What a tragedy it would be, wouldn't it? To meet God face-to-face and say to one of us, I, I didn't know you. We didn't know each other. Let's pray. Thanks for tuning in this morning. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, I encourage you to join us live Sunday mornings at 1030. For address, directions, and any more information, you can check us out online at templebaptist.com. God bless and have a great week. Shine like the sun.